Welcome to the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. I'm here with Paul Bryans, author of the Common Errors in English Usage website and book. I'm the editor of that book and host of this weekly podcast, Tom Sumner. Well, hello, Paul. Hi, Tom. Uh, Paul, I think you have something to talk to us about. Yeah, um, I'm getting all steamed up here. Okay. Uh, I was uh, thinking about the term steam the other day. Yeah. And we now often refer to the steam age. That would be for the the age before the combustion engine mm-hmm. and uh, oil power and so on. Um, but the steam age is really still very much with us. And a year ago, I wrote... Uh, blog post on this subject, which uh, readers can find at the link on, um, associated with this podcast. And I'm going to read some of it and, and also comment it, and you can feel free to jump in, too. So uh, one of the main manifestations of the concept of steam power these days is steampunk, uh, which is a sort of alternative history worldview that combines Victorian costumes and settings with technology as it might have looked and functioned if modern inventions had been developed in the 19th century instead of later. You get things like steam-powered computers and uh, people uh, wearing old-fashioned goggles that uh, are on rocket ships and um, all kinds of interesting combinations. It, it has more to do actually with the look of things than anything else, although there is a lot of steampunk fiction. The iconic uh, image that I have is of a uh, top hat with goggles over the uh, top of the brim of the hat. Right. And you see that. It, that's almost the tip off that you're somebody's shooting for a, the steampunk aesthetic. Uh an easy way to get acquainted with the steampunk aesthetic is to view the French film, The City of Lost Children, which uh, very much has that look. And another approach is to look at the original graphic novel uh, in the series The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, especially the first one. Now, don't bother trying to rent the awful movie. It's really terrible. But the graphic novel by Alan Moore and Kevin O'Neill is really amazing and has uh, a host of visual delights. It also has some rather racy stuff. So again, not a children's book. And it can add a little flavor to a lot of uh, classics too. I I saw a a production in Ashland, Oregon of A Christmas Carol that was put on uh, last weekend. And they incorporated a lot of steampunk aesthetic into that production right very effective it brought it brought new life to the the play that i was half looking forward to seeing <laughs> i think what confuses a lot of people about the term is the punk part because there doesn't seem to be anything particularly punkish if anything uh people are dressing up and being like uh, upper class uh, Edwardian and Victorian ladies and gentlemen and that's purely a byproduct of the, of the way it evolved there was a form of science fiction developed um, some decades ago called cyberpunk and that, that was the idea of introducing uh, the internet and computing and all of this into science fiction as a main subject 
Interestingly enough, science fiction has, has predicted a lot of modern inventions, but it never predicted the Internet. And so this is a way of making up for last, lost time. And I guess it only makes sense that having uh, tried to in- incorporate uh, something that had been long ignored, uh, it would spread into the past. And some authors began to write these novels, which are Victorian fantasies, um, set typically toward the end of the 19th century, mostly. And there's a, a science fiction writer named Kevin Wayne Jeter in 1987 wrote to the science fiction magazine Locus um, about his own book, Infernal Devices. Personally, I think Victorian fantasies are going to be the next big thing, as long as we can come up with a fitting collective term for Powers, Blaylock, and myself. These are all writers who had done things like that. Something based on the appropriate technology of the era, like steampunks, perhaps, and he hyphenated it. As we know in English, hyphenated phrases quickly lose their hyphens as they get popular. So that's where steampunk comes from. It really has nothing to do with being punkish. It's just a pure happenstance. Right. Well, I I don't know. I think the term punk just has uh, evolved and morphed over the last almost 50 years now. <laughs> hard to ima- hard to hard to imagine that it's been that long since uh punk rock broke and and that aesthetic with safety pins and the torn t-shirts and 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 mohawks and so on a uh, shaved head has um has morphed into so many different things a cyberpunk steampunk uh these aesthetics that don't really have any kind of stripped down quality to to them like right, that. just this the opposite. They're needlessly elaborate. Mm-hmm. But typically, uh, I, I think an early example that wasn't consciously like it is the film of the Time Machine, um, which had all these ornate dials and levers and stuff on it on the Time Machine itself, uh, which is the kind of thing that steampunk really embraces. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are a lot of steampunk fans who make their own costumes. There are professionals who, who will make them for you. I recently saw an article about a couple who remodeled their house in steampunk style. Um, I've seen pictures of babies in steampunk attire. Uh, it's, it's really a thing, and there are conventions of steampunk people getting together. Um, you, I believe the uh, Portland Museum of Art had a steampunk ex- exhibit few years ago mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, now when we were in france recently i was delighted to discover that not only have works by jules verne been turned into graphic novels i, I collect uh, comics of certain kinds and graphic novels there are many jules verne influenced steampunk books like the extraordinarily beautiful the voyage extraordinaire trilogy written by denis pierre philippe and drawn by silvio Camboni. Now, uh, Verne referred to his whole series of science fiction novels, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Around the World in 80 Days, and so on, as extraordinary voyages, Les Voyages Extraordinaires. So what these guys have done is make a modern, extraordinary voyage uh, sequel, setting it in the... um, the early 20th century, just around the beginning of the era of heavier-than-air flight. Um, uh, Amazon Francais says that you can't buy them for shipping to the U.S. I was fortunate enough that my wife 
purchase them for me as a present while we were in Paris. But it seems you can get them from Amazon UK if you're interested. If you can read French, of course, these have not been translated into English. Mm-hmm. Like many of Verne's characters, the protagonists are from England, birthplace of the Industrial Revolution. And there are a couple of kids, uh, young adolescents, uh, treated in a very French way. Um, this is not necessarily a book you would give uh, a 10-year-old. <laughs> but it, the illustrations are absolutely fascinating. They're, they're quite beautiful. Now, yeah. Oh, I... I, I... I'm just going to say that that's I, I believe some of the interest in it is driven by uh, people's fascination with what the future used to look like. Right. Uh, and that's that's Jules Verne is a, is a very good um, prototype for this, where it's so interesting to go back and look at what was considered uh, futuristic in the past yeah interestingly enough uh, the disney corporation has gotten interested in this in a different way they don't do steampunk uh, but what they've done is go back to 30s and 40s science fiction so that tomorrowland was revamped under the influence of flash gordon of course and then disney acquired the star wars um, with, and of course, Star Wars heavily influenced by Flash Gordon. I have a whole slide lecture that I give comparing scenes from the Flash Gordon serials and, and Buck Rogers to the first three, um, Star Wars movies. Um, and just recently, uh, Disney put out uh, Tomorrowland, the movie, which is really kind of interesting and it's also, um, about a future which is like the past, but it's the past of the, the, the 40s and 50s. So it's it's um, a parallel phenomenon, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But to get back to steam, yeah, and uh, yeah, we focus on the word punk, but it's the word steam really that's the interesting well, one because that, right. that's what we think of when we think of the past. Is everything was driven by steam? For once in a while, you run into people who worry about the fact that they have low self hyphen steam or uh, i've also seen low self of steam yes low health of steam is another one i think they think of themselves as being kind of deflated not having power or energy and of course this is just a mistake for self-esteem another way in which steam drifts around the contemporary world is the vocabulary we use to label certain machines We still tend to call big excavation rigs steam shovels, even though they were replaced in the 1930s by diesel-powered scoopers. A number of modern names have been developed by those who make and use the items, but to the general public, they're still steam shovels. Steam rollers have had an even more robust afterlife. Although the generic term is road roller, that term is rarely used in the culture at large. Today's children are introduced to steamrollers as characters in the worlds of Thomas the Tank Engine and Bob the Builder. Mm -hmm. The one word spelling steam shovel, all is one word, and steamroller are also common. The figurative meaning of the verb steamroll has also helped keep steamroller alive. The Oxford English Dictionary's earliest example of steamrolled in a metaphorical sense dates from 1915. It most commonly occurs in writing about sports and politics to mean defeated, 
so steamrolled means defeated. Here are a couple of recent examples from the New York Times. Betfair has established Manila as a 90 to 1 underdog, but that seems charitable considering the way Serena has steamrolled the women's field. And then he was reelected in 2005 and ran for governor in 2006, getting steamrolled by Elliot Spitzer. Other miscellaneous uses in the Times. In this example, steamrolled seems to mean pushed aside rather than flattened. This sends a message to all the oil and gas drillers anxiously eyeing our borders. The people of New York will not be steamrolled. Another example describing pressing forcibly forward. And beginning in the late 1900s, first Sony, then Microsoft steamrolled into the gaming market with new consoles. Now it's like full steam ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, here it seems to be mean taking over in this one. The next one. The adrenal mass was an incidental finding after all, but it had completely steamrolled our visit. So steamrolled is with us for good, it seems. Like the verb. As a as a verb. Yes. Certainly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Steamrolled as a verb is with us for good, it seems. Like the verbs yeah. dial and tape. There just isn't a widely accepted modern equivalent. There's no reason to get all steamed up about it. No, and that's that's really the the big point. If you're talking before talking about usage, is uh, don't get hung up if somebody calls it a steamroller and it's not run powered by steam. Right. Uh, it's just the name of the of the thing. It's it doesn't mean that the person is uh, illiterate somehow who called it a steamroller yeah. or it doesn't know how it works. You know, there are a lot of people who get terribly agitated as the language changes and new terms come in that uh, are not traditional. Uh, people rarely notice, on the other hand, that there are a lot of things that hang on long after their proper lifespan as words that don't really um, literally describe what they're supposed to be labeling. Now, when I was looking at this, uh, some somewhere I saw somebody positing that it is uh, possibly influenced in part by the uh, great classic book, uh, Mike Mulligan and his steam. Yeah, uh, I'm sure that's helped to keep it alive. This book has hung around and uh, it's interesting because in the story of the book, Mike Mulligan is about to be uh, Mike Mulligan steam shovel is about to be put out to pasture if i can mix that Uh metaphor (laughs) Uh, he's he's gonna he's going to be losing his what he knows best how to do which is to operate his steam shovel because steam shovels are no longer being used they've been replaced by gas powered Hmm. uh, engines but uh, he gets hired to dig a basement for a new construction a new apartment building i think it is and um, so he goes in with his steam shovel, which he, and he he digs it out very efficiently and perfectly with his steam shovel. And when it's all done, they realize that he can't get himself back out of that pit that he he uh, dug for the foundation. And his you'll remember his uh, his steam shovel gets converted to a furnace that that um, will um, heat the building. So that would be an example of a book that's designed to sort of bid farewell to a term that actually is helped to perpetuate it. 
well, the popularity of the book still it persists, and and yes, it's done exactly the the not that it was intended to put the term up out, put the term away for good, but it uh, it has had the effect of making the term stick around. Possibly, I, I obviously don't can't we can't measure the that influence, but it is a book that continues to be po- very popular. Um, I was read the book when I was a child, even though it was written in 1939. And I read the book to my own children, um, who are only just uh, in their twenties now. So, it's it's still around and still going very strong. And of course, not children's literature at all. There's also steamy romances. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I I don't think those are necessarily steam powered. But... No, they cause <laughs> steam to arise. <laughs> Get you all steamed up. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm a, I, yeah, I'm about to run out of steam on this one. Okay. Talk to you again next time. That'll do it for the Common Errors in English Usage podcast. Send your comments, questions, and feedback to commonerrorspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.